Welcome to the Florida Madcaps, your ultimate guide to experiencing fantastic and unique destinations across our magnificent state. Join us while we lead you on a journey of exploration, recreation, and conservation. The popularity of Florida's natural wonders is on the rise, and our mission is to be your go-to source for conscientious recreation. We encourage you to get out and explore these breathtaking sites and to leave them even better than you found them through individual actions and group advocacy. Join the Florida Madcaps as we discover the beauty of our incredible state together. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Florida Madcaps podcast. It's me, Ryan McKay, the Florida excursionist. I'm here with the Florida famous Sunshine State Seekers, maybe the world famous Chelsea and Chris. We're working on it. Thanks for having us on. Yeah. Howdy. I guess we are. (laughs) (laughs) So on today's episode, we have uh, yet another exciting guest. Uh, I'm really excited about this one. Uh, Our guest today leads one of the most holistic and I would say dynamic cleanup organizations here in um, North Florida and I would say Central Florida as well. So they they focus on primarily uh, fresh waterways. So everyone, welcome, Nicole. Welcome. Hi, I'm really happy to be here. Yes, Nicole with current problems, I should say. So I, I've done a few current problems cleanups, but I was fortunate enough to do one in December around the Rodman Reservoir, and there wasn't a ton of people there. And so I got a chance to talk to Nicole and Savannah about current problems. And I thought, hey, this is just a really cool cleanup organization because, you know, they, they have these great cleanups and cool places and I enjoy them. After talking to them and seeing them in action, man, I was only getting like a small piece of what they did. It is so much more than just picking up trash. Uh, it's, it's very holistic, but I'll let Nicole explain that. But uh, Nicole, how did you guys, uh, how did current problems get started? So Current Problems was founded in 1993 by a group of artists, primarily, and photographers who uh, paddled the the Santa Fe River um, and loved it so much and wanted to make conservation of the river a part of how they recreated on it, which I know that you all um, and most of your listeners uh, probably relate to really closely Mm -hmm. um, as this is a recreation and conservation podcast. So they started doing these small cleanups just with the people who would regularly go out, you know, on the river anyways. And then it grew and turned into this more of a movement um, to incorporate um, sustainability into art and art into conservation and conservation into recreation and just tie everything together. Here we are 30 years later. Uh, and we have maintained this grassroots identity with a sustainability forward model, which I really love. It's really my favorite part of this organization is that we get to combine this volunteerism. And like you said, it's only a very small part, the cleanups that we actually do with this larger watershed level approach to things. Here in Florida, we know that 80% of our drinking water comes directly from the aquifer. What happens downstream from all of us matters. Every square foot is connected to water, whether it's the Gulf of Mexico, the aquifer, whether it's, you know, the Atlantic Ocean, everything is so interconnected. And so thinking about, you know, conservation from a watershed perspective really helps you think about, you know, how am I impacting these communities that are downstream from me? And so that's where our work really comes in. Um, And so, you know, on the front end, we do, you know, a lot of mapping. And then on the back end, we do a lot of advocacy and um looking at database solutions and trying to get 
trying to get those things initiated so that we don't end up doing the same cleanups in the same places year after year after year. Because to me, that's not really conservation. So one of the things I get asked a lot, or I'd say we get asked a lot, uh, is how do you not get jaded um, doing something like this? And I can especially see that being uh, on the Santa Fe River. Uh, There are definitely a few hot party spots that um, I would say probably need constant attention. Uh, And for me, I always tell people, you know, you just, you gotta, you, you gotta be strong in your mind and, and just not allow yourself to be jaded, not allowed, uh, allow yourself to be bothered by the things when you come back to them and focus on the things that you have done. So how do you guys uh, work on that as a group? Yeah, I get that question a lot too. Um, and I think I told Ryan this the day that I met him, I actually find this work really hopeful. Um, it's one of the advantages that we have of working in wetlands and freshwater systems is that we are not working on the coasts and on the beaches where there's this endless barrage of straws coming in from God knows where um, out in the ocean. When we're working in these upland systems, I can trace it back. I know exactly where it came from. Um, and so part of what we do with our data is we track how the trash traveled. So how did it even get to the spot where we're doing a cleanup in the first place? And how can we prevent it from getting there next week? Or, you know, especially after a storm event, um, how are storm patterns changing the way that trash is moving in our waterways? And how can we prevent it from having, you know, a dangerous impact once it is moved and once it is, you know, pulled downstream um, into those spaces? Uh, And because we're doing this, you know, from a perspective of how do we prevent it, we're actually creating um, a system that hopefully will eradicate our work eventually. Um, And so in that, I find it hopeful because we get to take little steps at a time and watch, you know, even just little creek systems or lakes um, not become problems anymore. We watch dump sites not be dump sites anymore. Or, you know, we get to track that through our 30 years of data and see places that actually um, are no longer uh, sites where there's a lot of trash accumulating because of that work that we've done. So I find it very hopeful. I think the phrase, and I can't remember who said it to me a while back, uh, was was that trash begets trash. So when you mm-hmm. remove it, people are less inclined to throw their trash there. Um, so it's it's good to see it's the same kind of way in the the same on the waters as it is on the trails. Yes, absolutely. I never really thought about that with the with the the metrics involved. Like you're you, you're able to actually collect data and stuff while you're while you're cleaning up, so you can get some really uh, meaningful information out of that to, about about other things in the in the, the whole situation, really. Yeah, it's a huge part of our process, and it's actually something that sets us, you know, aside uniquely as a cleanup organization. Um, we don't use the same sort of estimation tools that some other organizations will use. We actually pick up, hand weigh, hand sort, hand separate um, every piece of trash that we're pulling out of the waterways, um, and we're recording what it is, uh, what brand it is, where it likely came from, um, and that helps us track it. That helps us figure out how it got there, um, and that helps us do you know, the other side of our work, which is prevention. Because I remember you talked about uh, you, you were advising some of the uh, county level waste management. Was it Swanee County where they were throwing away, where there was a lot of tires being disposed of in a certain area? And you went and said, hey, if, if we had an event and you were actually able to get the, the amount of tires being discarded, whittled down to a large degree. Is that correct? Yeah, that's Lake City and Columbia County. Oh, okay. Um, 
yeah, so we, we, we've been able to help them out um, for a few years now on uh, hazardous waste collection events. And one of the things that I noticed looking at our data was that we were doing a lot of tire cleanups in that area. Um, and so for me, I thought, well, you know, and this is true about a lot of the narrative around litter and trash pickup, um, is that the, these industries have done such a good job of pushing responsibility onto the consumer. What I have found and what our data suggests over and over and over again is that a lot of times, especially with larger objects, especially with these, you know, dump sites, it has more to do with education and, and outreach and awareness for people. Um, and so what we did in Columbia County Lake City is uh, we came in and, you know, on the day that they had their hazardous waste collection event, um, and we actually provided tire recycling. And so it's not just tire collection. It's not just, hey, bring your tires, but it's actually giving them a second, maybe third, maybe fourth life, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, depending on how long they've been out there. Um, and we have found that that has prevented tire dumping in that area. Wow. That's pretty impressive. That's looking at the entire picture. <laughs> I was wondering how Good far job. we would get. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, imagine pulling stuff like that, heavy stuff out of the out of the water doing this river cleanups would be tiresome as well. <laughs> to a, a twofer. Love it. I mean, that's a good point, though, because sometimes I, we've often found tires uh, on our on our hikes. And and one of the methods we've found that works for us is when we do get like large scale trash um, is if there is a crossroads somewhere on mm -hmm. our hike, we leave it all, we'll pile, pile it all there and uh, remember where it is and come back and pick it up when we're finished with our hike because sometimes it's just too much. And it's better to do that than uh, than leave it where it is. Um, uh, so just pulling it out of the water, I couldn't even imagine how deep some of it is too and the weight of the tire, the weight of the water, the weight of the muck in the tire uh, can be... <laughs> More than the tire itself. Yeah, yes. it can be tough to get rid of. We mm -hmm. brought that stuff home and then had to wait for the uh, hazardous waste collection to get rid of it. Yes, I remember during the cleanup, uh, we were talking, discussing this, and Nicole mentioned about how fast refrigerators have been uh, expiring lately. And I realized that, yes, I've had to replace two in the last few years. So and then that, and I thought about that. It's like, my gosh, that's right. That's a, a yep. whole. A lot more waste that's completely unnecessary. Yeah, there's this really sort of nefarious combination of both planned obsolescence, which is when these objects mm -hmm. and these things that we're buying, especially things like large appliances, or as we all know, technology, mm -hmm. um, is really not made to last anymore. Uh, and that's intentional. But there really hasn't been this um, uptick in uh, responses on the other side, this sort of, what do we do when those materials are are either you know no longer useful or they're broken or how do we reuse those materials? Um, we just those two things have not worked together um, over time, and so what we end up with is we end up with a lot of broken things and a lot of people who are very nervous about what to do with them. Well, if I take them to the dump, what if they charge me two hundred dollars? I don't have two hundred dollars. That's a lot of money for me. I can't. I don't know what to do with it. I don't want to be punished. I do want to do the right thing, but I also don't know what to do with this with these items. Um, and so we see that a lot. Mm. So the, all that kind of what we've been talking about leads into the, the more holistic, the holistic uh, approach that she, current problems has. Uh, is there any points that we've missed? Is, uh, what are some of the efforts that current problems does to help address the entire cycle? 
another thing that we do is um, that's really important to us is that when we get sites that are reported to us, which is something that anyone who's listening right now can absolutely do. If you are out on the waterway, if you are in a wetland, if you're in a publicly managed land, um, please report it to us. Let us know. Um, there's links in our Instagram bio. There's links on our website. Very easy to get to, but please let us know what's out there. Um, one of the other things that we do is we also coordinate with groups who are already doing the work in those areas. So if there's an area that we get a report from um, that's, say, out of our working area, um, I have a network where I you know, coordinate with somebody and I say, hey, I just got this report. It looks like you guys are going to need you know, this, this, and this. If you don't have those supplies, I'll bring them to you. What do you need? Oh, you need kayaks and canoes? I can coordinate that. We can take care of it. So empowering local communities, empowering local volunteers in areas where they're already doing the work is a, is another big part of what we do. Um, we work with lots of um, large organizations and groups of people like, um, you know, kayaking groups and outdoors groups on Facebook who will say, hey, Nicole, you know, we want to do a meetup, but we also want to make sure that we have a conservation aspect to it. Um, so we'll provide supplies on the day of, you know, and, and just be out there and help educate people and um, just provide that resource for anybody who wants to incorporate that into their recreation, bringing back to our mission. Um, the other thing that we do is we really try to prioritize the cleanups that we do participate in and that we do lead um, based on actual harm to water quality. We look for projects that are, you know, in these um, areas that, you know, maybe there are people who are downstream that are reliant on uh, on their water who are on well water. Um, and we make sure to get that information of what we collected um, in a place where those communities can access it and know, oh my gosh, I had no idea that was in my watershed. That's important information for people to be able to know um, and to be ad to be advocates, informed advocates for their own water quality locally. Um, things like nitrogen and phosphorus that we were just talking or that you all were just talking about with, with uh, Ryan Smart from the Florida Springs Council um, can be hard to quantify. It's kind of hard for people to understand uh, Yes, I, I know those things are in the water, but how is it affecting me? Things like tires, it's a little easier. Um, and so for people, you know, from an advocacy perspective, when they're talking about water quality, it can really help um, for those people to have that information. So that's another thing that we do. Um, and we really try to make that a, a forward part of our work. It's not, that's not a back end part of our work. It's a really forward part of our work. Now, nice. um, I want to mention one of the ways we first out found about you guys is we were doing the groundskeepers program and uh, we just kind of did a small little cleanup initiative online and you had reached out to us um, and I thought it was cool that because some people just aren't really a group uh, people <laughs> and you offered your equipment to just like anybody who might be going out on a hike. Uh, or something like that, like a bucket and grabbers and things like that. And I thought that was mm -hmm. really awesome um, that you guys uh, reached out to us for that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have, you know, a wealth of 30 years of wetland sloshing, trash grabbing experience. And so anything we can share with people who are um, already out there and, you know, wanting to to do that is is helpful. So yeah, we have a lot of supplies. Um, all of our cleanups are zero waste, which is another cool part of our um, of our program. Um, we get our bags donated from breweries like Swamphead, where I'm at right now. Uh, and uh, that helps us reduce our waste um, also just during the cleanups that we actually do. So um, any and all of those supplies are available. Um, all you just all you need to do is contact us and we're happy to get them to, to anybody. 
when I went to the current problems cleanups, they are, uh, they, they make it so easy. I mean, all the supplies, I just needed the proper footwear and, you know, clothing, uh, for the weather, but everything else, the gloves, the grabbers, uh, instructions like, Hey, here's how you can do this. Watch out for this. It was, it was really easy. I just showed up and, and had a great time. I got a sticker too. It was pretty cool. So, so some of the uh, more unusual trash, uh, I know with, I did the one at the Rodman. I was hauling out these little propane cylinders out of a ditch. Um, mm-hmm. So w- what are some things that are more unusual that you find uh, during your cleanups? Yeah, the propane cylinders are common. Um, that's, you know, mostly like you all know, probably leftover from campsites that's made its way, you know, from a campsite to a ditch, to a creek to a stream, to a waterway, to a river, you know, and it it all goes downstream. Um, So we find those a lot. And that's something that we consider high priority because um, it does contain propane um, and, you know, paint and rusted metal and all of those things contribute a lot of uh, harmful toxins to the environment. So um, definitely want to make sure we pull those out. Uh, Tires, we get so many of, (laughs) so many tires. Um, And actually, you were just saying, Chris, earlier about how hard it can be to pull a tire. I thought that it was going to, I, you know, I did this job for a few years and I had been pulling tires out of the sand and there's a way to do it. And now sure enough, like I can clear a tire of sand. It's one of those very strange special skills that I'm not really sure how to market in my <laughs> future. Uh, as I move forward in my future, I'm not really sure uh, I can clear a tire full of sand. I'm very good at that all of a sudden. But uh, anyways, I, I thought that that was so difficult. And then I went and worked with a group that um, does a lot of work on the Ohio and Mississippi rivers um, up north called Living Lands and Waters. And they have clay there. And it is way harder to get clay out of a tire than it is to get sand. Uh, so I will never take that for granted again, working in a sand environment. Um, but weird things that we find, uh, we find a lot of like porcelain parts. So um, sometimes that's like discarded construction waste or something. But um It'll be like toilets or sinks or, you know, pedestals for either one of those parts. Um, light bulbs. We find a lot of light bulbs. Um, and then on the sort of weird and creepier end of things, uh, baby doll heads. For some reason, every year, there's a few of them, way more than there should be baby doll heads. Wow. One of the things we always say is, about, did you even clean anything if you didn't find a shoe? Um, <laughs> Usually a flip-flop. But a lone shoe. You got to find flip-flop. the shoe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <Or you> even... <laughs> yeah, I did one at Rum Island, and I was snorkeling, and it was amazing. I felt like Indiana Jones because I was pulling up all this 1980s era you know, trash and, and, and pop tops that I think were from the seventies. I, re- I was really impressed. Each thing I hauled out of the, you know, out of the riverbed was, was just amazing. I could have done that for a long time. It was a lot of fun. That's one of the really cool things about working in uh, these systems, especially in these, you know, karst areas in North Florida is that we actually end up with, you know, the same reason that the fossil hunters love this area. Um, we get fossil trash. <laughs> we get a, uh, <laughs> This is sort of like older trash. A lot of what we find, especially on the Santa Fe River, um, is trash and, you know, those aluminum pop tab cans. Those stopped being made in 1973, I think. Um, and we're still finding them at a, you know, at a very large amount for each of our cleanups that are out there. I mean, as far as proportionally, I would say it's about 
40, 60 between pop tag cans and newer trash. And so for me, that's another part of the hopeful aspect where um, we, you know, we're pulling out this 50 year old garbage um, at the same rate or around the same rate as we're pulling new garbage. So it doesn't, you know, we're not seeing those same levels of increase in terms of, of trash on some of these river basins. Not true for all of them, but on some of them. Nice. Are there some conditions that allow you to find trash easier? Um, I just say this because I know when we hike, a lot of times if a burn just happened, a controlled burn, mm -hmm. it, it exposes a lot of, say, like piles. You can find like some some uh, old hunter's old spot out there in the wood where he piled like maybe 25 of his pop top cans in one little uh Nice condensed area. Are there with the waterways? Like, if the water's up, down, is there um, a time where it's easier for you to find uh, or for trash to be re re exposed? I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, low water conditions um, that often comes with um, increased clarity. So when you can see through the river, it's a lot easier to see what's underneath, um, and it makes it a lot easier for our volunteers who are divers who come with us on some of those cleanups um, to actually see what's on the riverbed to act. Um, you know, a tire that's five feet down is a lot harder to get to than a tire that's a little bit more exposed uh, on the shoreline. Mm -hmm. So um, certainly those we also look at um, weather has a big impact. Uh, anytime that, you know, there's a big rain event or a lot of precipitation that all trickles downstream. So we have to track all of that. Um, even for our events that are maybe down a river somewhere, we have to be mindful of all of that. Nice. And obviously we're working in snake and gator habitat. So we, we have to make sure that especially during this time, um, we're being mindful of the, of the gator habitat. Mm. Yeah. As long as they're uh, not uh, scuba diving in the Mayaka river. Yeah, you should. <laughs> so Nicole, uh, I believe coming up, you guys have the clean Creek revival. If I'm getting that right. Yes, that is correct. Um, that is an event that we do in partnership with first magnitude brewing. Uh, here in Gainesville, Florida, and North Central Florida. Um, so if you are anywhere around the area, um, it's a great event to sort of, you know, participate as a first-timer uh, because it's a ton of fun and there's a lot of volunteers that get involved. Last year, we had over 600 volunteers. Um, this year, it'll be even more than that. Um, but it's basically a countywide effort to try to hit um, as many of the creeks and streams and watersheds as we possibly can. Um, and then we bring all the trash back to first magnitude where we weigh it, sort it, separate it, everything I talked about earlier, but we do it all at once. And so we put uh, dumpsters outside of first magnitude who is who generously donates their parking lot uh, to giant dumpsters for an entire weekend. We're very thankful for that. Uh, and volunteers in exchange get um, a free drink for participating. Uh, and then we just have a party. We celebrate. We um, do some outreach and education. We, uh, you know, have some wildlife ambassadors on site so that people can understand, you know, the habitats that they were out conserving and the wildlife that's impacted by their direct efforts, uh, which, again, we think is really important. Uh, and there's live music. There's food trucks. It's just a really fun event. Uh, and it's a great time to be around similar people who, you know, want to be part of, you know, conservation or who might know. I, every year that we do this event, I learn something new about a creek system because there's somebody that comes up and says, oh, I've lived on this creek for years. And you know what I've noticed is I've noticed this and you learn, you know, a little bit more about the history of the of the hydrography in this area. So it's just it's so interesting. I love that event. And that's coming up on March 11th. Um, the registration is online, so find links to register. Uh, and you have some other events that you have coming up too, is that correct? 
We do. Um, so that's the ninth year that we're doing Clean Creek Revival. Um, and it's been so successful that we sort of wanted to replicate it uh, in other locations to bring other people in. So if you are not in the Gainesville area um, and you're closer up um, in the Suwannee Basin, we have a, a Columbia County River Fest um, that's going to be hosted in partnership with Halpatter Brewing. And that's going to be on April 8th. Um, that's the same way. It's a countywide cleanup. So anywhere you are, if you're on the Suwannee, you know, on the, on the, uh, Northwest end, or if you're more in the Santa Fe area, or if you want to do one of the lakes in Lake city, uh, we'll have cleanup sites throughout the County for you. We also have later on during the month, a paddle on the Santa Fe for earth day on the 22nd. And any of those events are, are free registration. You just, you know, contact us to sign up and we'll have the link in the episode notes. Okay. Yeah. We'll definitely have those links in the uh, show notes and also the uh, address, the email address for current problems. So if you do see uh, you know, a waterway that needs attention, I'm sure if it's not in their direct realm, like Nicole said, uh, they, they definitely have contacts all over the place. Um, besides reporting those areas of concern, is there anything else that uh, our listeners could possibly do to assist in the, the you know, keeping our waterways uh, clean? Yeah, you can coordinate a cleanup event in your local area. Like I said, you can reach out to us. We will either help you coordinate it, provide all the resources you need, knowledge, you know, logistics. We can pick up the trash at the end, make sure that it all gets to where it needs to go. We, like I said earlier, we recycle and repurpose 63% of what we find. So we work with local artists. If anybody listening is an artist who wants um, to incorporate some trash into what they do and, uh, you know, help us with that side of our outreach, please reach out and let me know what it is you want. We've got all kinds of strange things for you to sort through. So feel free to reach out. Other than that, I think just being aware, more aware of your of your upstream impact, um, making those little decisions day after day um, can make a really big difference. Now, Florida is a pretty big state. Um, so if somebody does want to get involved, uh, maybe with like your groups personally, if they all if they do really want to join your group activities, what's your major uh, zone? Because I doubt you're in the panhandle and the keys, you know. So what what is your uh, stomping ground? For- yeah, absolutely. So we're based in Gainesville, Florida. So uh, most of our territory is north central Florida. We cover the entirety of the Suwannee River Basin from Valdosta, Georgia, all the way to the Gulf Coast. Uh, And we also cover the entire St. John's River Basin. Um, And other than that, we will go wherever we're called and needed. Um, I would say as far south as Orlando right now. You you have done um, a lot of work on the Santa Fe River, I, I know. And you were talking earlier, it just, just, just dawned on me that this is an interesting thing to ask, um, that you gather all the all the metrics and everything of, of how things flow downstream and everything. Have you ever come across any uh, direct evidence of trash going into the Santa Fe River before it goes underground for a couple of miles and then comes back up and you retrieve some trash that's actually taken that journey? So the <laughs> around the river sink, there's almost always a little... Uh, gyre that forms that collects a little pool of trash. And you can find that in sinks all down the Santa Fe. Um, the main one is not even, you know, the 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 only time, you know, the main river goes underwater, but there's also swallets all the way down the river. Um, and looking at each of those, there's almost always, you know, a little gyre that forms up at the top and you can see the little trash inside. I don't know that I've ever been able to track if it had been underwater or or if it had gone the full route underground. Um, But one of our uh, board members, Dan Roundtree, has been studying that particular system for years. uh, And I will definitely ask him because that is that is definitely something he would know. So I'll 
I'll send that to y'all. I'll ask him. Yeah, that's that's a, a great question actually because I've I've hiked around the the River Sink and the River Rise, but after you have a big rainstorm or maybe hurricane, it really washes things down the Santa Fe and in, into the River Sink area. That's about it. So Nicole, thank you so much for coming on uh, the podcast. It's really refreshing to see the work that you all are doing. I really enjoyed volunteering with Current Problems. Oh, one other thing. How many cleanups did you have last year? It was like 180 something, was it? Last year, we hosted 122 cleanups. So we oh, average about wow. two a week. 120. So I knew it was a lot. So if, if anybody <laughs> wants to do a cleanup, there's ample opportunity. Plus you can host, yeah. host your own. Find a current problem in your area. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Nicole, for uh, coming on the podcast. It has been a pleasure, and I can't wait to do another uh, cleanup and join you guys. Thank you so much for talking with me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to the Florida Madcaps. We hope today's episode was enjoyable. Your input is important to us. If there is a topic that you would like to know more about, please let us know. The Florida Madcaps is presented in partnership with the Florida Springs Council, the only nonprofit advocacy organization focused solely on protecting our Florida Springs. Get a free spring sticker and join the Florida Springs Council at floridaspringscouncil.org slash madcaps. As a token of our appreciation, we are giving away a free Madcap sticker to anyone who leaves us a review. All you have to do is send us your contact information to the email provided in our show notes. We will take care of the rest. Thank you for being a part of the Florida Madcaps community.